Welcome to another podcast by Gary Ryan from Organisations That Matter, titled Systems Thinking. What is it and how does it help organisations learn? Systems thinking is both a language and a set of tools that offer a powerful new perspective to help organisations to solve problems, avoid problems and most importantly, to learn. The tools available through systems thinking enable people to understand the reality of their organisation in a way that emphasises the relationships between the parts of the organisation rather than focusing on the parts themselves. Just as the team who design a car engine must consider the car's purpose, its required fuel economy and the size of its engines bay throughout the design process, systems thinking requires people to consider how their part of the organisation fits into the purpose of the whole organisation. For example, a marketing department exists for the benefit of the whole organisation, not the other way around. There are five defining characteristics for a system to function at its optimum and we'll walk through each of those five defining characteristics. The first defining characteristic is that every system has a purpose within a larger system. For example, the Graduate School of Business, the GSB at Monash University in Melbourne, Australia, has a specific purpose to serve the needs of the graduate students who attend the school. The GSB must also serve the purpose of the larger system within which it operates, the Faculty of Business and Economics. If it fails to operate at its optimum level, it runs the risk of becoming redundant to the higher system, in this case the faculty, of which it is a part. And that is a characteristic of all systems. In order to function at their optimum, they must have the purpose of the larger system in mind with the way that they operate. And so in an organisational sense, every department must consider how is it serving the purpose of the lot larger organisation and not being seen as the main focus in and of, of themselves. The second defining characteristic of a system is that all of a system's parts must be present for the system to carry out its purpose optimally. For example, my body is a system. It contains a number of subsystems who contribute to the optimum function of my body. One of those subsystems is my urinary system that includes my kidneys. Should my kidneys fail or one of them fail and cease to function, I will ultimately die if I am unable to find a way to replace the function that my kidneys play in my urinary system. That part of my body system is necessary for my body to function optimally. While I can get them replaced, so for example I could go on a dialysis machine, it doesn't mean that my body is now functioning optimally. Yes it can function, but I'm now suboptimal in the way that I operate. And this is the same for an organisation. Organisations, sometimes they outsource some core functions of the organisation. It's a little bit like having a dialysis machine running your kidneys. And so organisations have to be very clear about what functions are not core that they can outsource and which functions are core so that the organisation can still continue to function at its optimum. The third characteristic of a system is that a system's parts must be arranged in a specific way for the system to carry out its purpose. If you rearranged your reporting relationship so that your chief finance officer reported to an entry-level graduate employee, it's unlikely that your finance department would carry out its purpose effectively. Just as if the wheels of a car were in the engine bay and the engine was spread throughout where the wheels are and the steering wheel was where the door is and the door is where the steering wheel is, the car is not going to be able to function or to serve its purpose. So the order of the parts of a system are critical 
for the system to be able to carry out its purpose in an optimum fashion. The fourth defining characteristic of a system is that systems change in response to feedback. As the air temperature in an office is monitored by the temperature sensor on the wall, the temperature sensor provides feedback to the air conditioning system. Once the feedback indicates that the air is too cool during winter, the heating is turned on. Eventually the temperature sensor will detect that the room's temperature has reached the desired upper limit of the desired room temperature and this feedback will inform the air conditioning system to turn off the heating component. Slowly the room's air temperature will decline until the low limit of the desired room's air temperature is reached, triggering the air conditioning system to turn on the heating once again. This explains why some people can continually hear the air conditioning system turn on and turn off throughout the day. This example also highlights that feedback changes the behaviour of the system. In this case, the feedback causes the air conditioning heating to be turned on or off. And so similarly, in organisations, we need to have feedback so that we can alter our behaviour in relation to that feedback. And the system needs to be set up in such a way that the feedback is part of the way that the system works or the organisation works, so that those responses can enable the organisation to function at its optimum. The fifth and final defining characteristic of a system is that systems have limits to their optimum function. The recent global financial crisis is evidence that the world's financial system had reached a limit. The exponential growth of that system ultimately could not be sustained, so the system effectively shut itself down, causing a number of very large institutions to collapse or be required to be bailed out by the governments. This is an important lesson for everyone. The world does not work in straight lines. Ultimately, we hit limits and systems can collapse or die if we don't understand this very important function of systems. Systems thinking teaches us this very important point. The world really works in curves and the tools of systems thinking helps us to understand how the curves work and how we can work with them. Which is why if we look through the history of the global financial systems, we have booms and we have busts and people talk in that language and often the language reflects the concept that systems thinking is present in the way that systems actually work. So systems thinking and learning. Well systems thinking is critical for ongoing learning because it teaches us that learning is essential for ongoing survival. As both the parts of a system and the broader systems within which our system is part are constantly changing, learning is an essential function for enabling survival to occur. General Motors in the USA was ultimately a slow learner. The broader system of which it is a part changed over the past five years. The significant increase in the general population's understanding of global warming, partnered with the significant rises in fuel prices that occurred over that period, affected the marketplace in such a way that the large fuel-guzzling vehicles produced by General Motors were no longer desired. Because learning includes the capacity to demonstrate foresight, a servant leadership attribute, as well as the capacity to change to the needs of your immediate environment, General Motors' inability to do either of these have seen it decline in a most dramatic fashion. While General Motors was able to grow exponentially while its broader environment was favourable, its lack of an ability to truly learn was its eventual downfall. Remember, all systems have limits, and General Motors found its own limits. Fortunately for General Motors, the USA government was able to bail it out, so it might actually get an opportunity to relearn, if you like, and to learn going into the future so that it might once again become a powerful and dominant organisation in the vehicle industry. A significant aspect of systems thinking is the structured drives behaviour concept of which is the focus of another blog.
A client with whom we work recently experimented with changing the seating arrangements for its team meetings, and it has discovered that something as simple as changing the structure of the seating arrangements can have a vast impact on the quality of conversations across the team. The enhanced quality of conversations has led to enhanced learning. Almost immediately, a number of key performance indicators have improved for the team, and feedback from team members to each other and the management team has increased exponentially. By its own recognition, this team is now learning, whereas before it was, well, not learning very much at all. In reality, I've barely touched on the tip of the iceberg with regards to how systems thinking can help an organisation to learn. And thankfully, there are a number of network members who are expert in this area who can also assist in this particular space. So we will continue to write blogs and produce podcasts to develop your understanding of systems thinking and its related principles so that can assist with both individual and ongoing learning. If you'd like to find out more information, please visit studentsthatmatter.ning.com or visit us at orgsthatmatter.com. This is Gary Ryan from Organisations That Matter and thank you for listening.